Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 199 of Geek Time Radio. We're back this week with Daryl. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Uh, so what have you been up to in the last few weeks? It's been a while since you've been on, actually. Yeah, it's been, it's been a few months. But in the last week, began with Walker Stock Con. Yes. At London Excel. And people know, so that was, it was a two-day event. And that was from the March 30th to 31st. Yeah. As the name might suggest, it's all about The Walking Dead. Yeah. But it also featured a number of stars from Game of Thrones and American Horror Story. Ah. As I don't know anything about the show, haven't only watched a pilot, <laughs> you, can probably, you can probably help with this, as I'll tell you some of the guests, not all of them, because they're literally too many to mention. Yeah. Stephen Yun. Yeah. Chandler Riggs. Katie Fleming. Ross Marquand. Yes. Kaylin Nacon. Josh McDermott. Angel Theory. Right. Nadi Hilker. Emily Kinney. Eleanor Suter. Carrie Payton, who I know from all the other stuff he does. Yeah. Seth Gilliam who I also know. Yes. Ryan Hurst, Matt Lintz, and then from the Game of Thrones, we had John Bradley, Hannah Murray, Jerome Flynn, Richard Brake, who's yeah. a Night King. Yes, yes. And Christian Nairn. Cool. Oh, and Isaac Hampton Wright. Right, okay, cool. So, yeah. Good selection. A, if you want to see what I got to, I managed to film six panels and take a fair amount of pictures. Um, you can find that on Hollywood News Source. Just search YouTube for Hollywood News Source and we will come up. Cool. Uh, so that was was that and didn't really leave me a lot of time to catch up on my shows because I spent then spent the next week <laughs> editing all yeah. those videos, yeah. which worked out to something like 40 gig of video. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, it's, it's good that you managed to get in and uh, they, they're they allowing people to, to take their panels. That's, oh, that's yeah, they're, good. Uh, well, they're, they're very good. Now, if you, when you get to press pass, you can go, they'll go to panels, they give you seating, which will, you'll only lose if there's like a lot of visitors with needs who need those front right, seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite, so it's quite good. That's good. I'm glad they, because uh, some places can be a bit picky about filming the panels so I'm, I'm glad they, uh, yes, they allowed that other than that I got back into my TV and I started with The Order on Netflix I've not started that yet how is it? it's weird <laughs> it's a Canadian film show it's about a young man trying to avenge the death of his mother right and his investigation into a secret society who he believes is responsible for her death 
Right. Okay. And I've watched, I think I've watched four or five episodes. It doesn't give the thing away that there's magic involved. You find out in the first, in the first episode. It's not, that's not a spoiler. Yeah. So it's, it's a world of magic and it's interesting. It stars Jake Manley, Adam DeMarco, who's in The Magicians. Right. Okay. And Sarah Gray, who played Stargirl in a couple episodes of DC's Legend of Tomorrow. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Way, way back when. It's a bit uneven. Okay. Now that we've got, I think now that I'm like five or six episodes in, the plot starts has start moving along and we're going somewhere. We know where we're going and it's interesting. The lore stuff is it's pretty cool. It's fairly straightforward. It's already been renewed. So that's all. Yeah. That's a plus. So I think if Netflix has faith in it, I'll have faith in I'll definitely be finishing the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the fact that that um, it had been renewed. So yeah, I was very surprised because that renewal came like a month. Yeah, after, I mean, after it was released. Clearly, clearly Which, for Netflix, that's pretty quick. That's a quick turnaround for a show that literally had no fanfare. So I think it's probably down to the fact that it probably runs on a Canadian channel in the same way that you ever see Ransom or, uh, or hear I, about Ransom. Yeah, I'm aware of Ransom. I, yeah, I see so it. like it's like Ransom does horrible ratings on CBS I think it is yeah but it does it does really well in Canada so it just keeps it just keeps getting renewed yeah see I, I thought it was a Netflix original show not uh, I it, there's no listing for it being on Canadian maybe it does run on a Canadian channel as well but it's there's at the moment it's it's <laughs> seems yeah, to be but, coming up yeah, as but, a Netflix yeah, show. Yeah, but a Netflix original show only means that Netflix has bought the rights for it to put it in other places. Yeah, but I, usually when you then look it up on online, it, yeah, it, does, it, it does tell you. So I, I not, I'm not sure whether it is. A, I mean, it certainly has that sort of feel and I'm sure it's probably shot in Vancouver because all these shows are. But Oh yeah, um, just because I, I remember I looked it up for some reason. It it's is. a really, really amazing looking university that's in Canada. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so shot in Vancouver which is where most of these things are but as far yep. as I can tell it is purely a Netflix show which is interesting it's not actually bought in so I guess the numbers must have been good for it on Netflix well the good side as some of us have learned Netflix are much more likely to renew their own at yeah. least for the first up to season three yeah than other shows which is just down to various deals and stuff yeah but yeah I would recommend it it's supposed to be a horror that's a stretch <laughs> it's, I would say it's, it's about as scary as supernatural yeah, I have to say, from the trailer that I saw, it, it seemed very CWE to me. It's, yeah. it's very much that sort of vein, as far as I could tell. It's not as like it's not as romance and angsty, right, thankfully, okay. as the CW. Yeah, which is which is fine. That's fine sometimes, but yes, sometimes it can be a bit overall. But this does stick to the plot Good. and stick to, stick to the character motivations. So obviously, there is a romance involved, but that's to be expected. Yeah, yeah. So I would probably recommend that to most people. Okay. Um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina just came back. Yes, that is a CW. Well, no, actually, that was a, was going to be a CW show before Netflix stole it. Yeah. Um, I'm not up to date with this at all. I've got. Are you not? No. Have you not watched season one? I haven't finished season one yet. I sort of Are slipped away. Serious? Yeah, you. I know, I know. It's terrible. I, it sort of slipped away from me and other things got in the way. Uh, so I, I will go back to it, though. It stars Keenan Shipka, Mad Men with Ross Lynch mm-hmm. and Chance Pudamo. And this is like season two, although in reality, it's the second half of season one. Yeah, they've, it, they've called it's, it's it part two, much, haven't they? It's very, much a, it's very much a through line. Yeah. And yeah, it just shows more of Sabrina coming to terms with her dual status yes. as mortal and a witch. It seems to be getting pretty favourable reviews from from bits and pieces that I've been seeing online, and 
Yeah, it's, I like it. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I like it a lot. It's definitely not CW now. Yeah, it might, it might sound out that way, but it's it's a lot about it examines female empowerment because the, the whole thrust of the Church of Night, which is dealing with the witch religion, is very much a patriarchy. Yeah, and it's obviously Sabrina coming from our world is very much not about to let that happen. Yeah, yeah. So the clashes that she has is quite interesting. Yeah, all whilst dealing with like you know normal teenager things, boyfriend things, relationships. Relationships. So yeah, it's a great show. Um, mm. I've really moped through them. I think I probably got for about four episodes. Cool, I cool. I only started on Friday because that was when I finished my editing. Right, yeah. So yeah, another another recommend for that. Another thing I watched just found it by accident I read a feature on it and it's Tidelands which is an Australian Netflix show yeah which basically deals with sirens mermaids it stars Charlotte Best Aaron Jacobenko and Elsa Pataki and Jacobenko was familiar to me because he was in the Shannara Chronicles ah, both seasons okay. as the prince Charlotte Best was from Home and Away of course because she was Australian was uh, yes well yeah it's Australia so it had, one of them had to be <laughs> yes <laughs> If not most, it's not a lot because Yes, at some point, they either go through home and away or neighbours pretty much. It's like a finishing school practice. Yes, it is. I looked at it because I wondered if it might be similar to Siren on Freeform. Right, yeah. Looking at it thematically, there are. It starts similar, but Tidal is a very adult show. Right. So definitely, definitely an 18 rating. Okay. I've only seen two episodes. I'm intrigued. I'll keep on watching. The law looks interesting. The last thing TV-wise, because as I say, I haven't really had much time, is Marvel's Cook and Dagger was back. Yep. Season two. And that obviously stars Olivia Holt and Aubrey Joseph. Yes. And it opened with a two-parter and there's a time jump. So it's eight months after what happened in the finale. Obviously, we'll give away for people who haven't watched it yet. And um, the thing about Cloak and Dagger is I used to recap it for another website. And it's one of the weirdest and most annoying things to recap <laughs> because, it, because it has this thing where because the two central protagonists spend quite a lot of time apart and only come together at certain points, there'll be many times when they will come together and say it's about 50 minutes in. And then when you come back from break, you'll be back at the beginning, but from the other character's perspective. Yes. Yeah. And when it works, it's great. And when it doesn't, it drives you nuts. Yes. It's like it's like a Groundhog's Day thing. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what's going to happen. There's no change to it. I say when it works, it's brilliant. And I think it works reasonably well in this opener. Yeah. I think it's the same sort, same sort of quality. There's no... If you saw the marketing, the tagline, something like that, there will be mayhem. And you pretty much get an idea of what that means by the end of this opening two episode stint. Okay. Another interesting note is that if you listen to the soundtrack that goes throughout the two things they were done by Aubrey Joseph who's a magician as well as an actor ah okay interesting I think go look at his SoundCloud so you see some of the stuff that he wrote that's cool yeah I mean I enjoyed the first season it's not one of my favourite kind of Marvel shows but it was a slow it was a really slow start yeah it was but once it got started yeah I no I I enjoyed it I haven't started the second season yet I've I've still got to go and watch it but uh, I enjoyed the first season enough for me to want to go and watch the second season so uh, I will be going back to that at some point but yes the thing that's mainly been keeping me off watching a lot of new stuff is I'm on an epic rewatch of Game of Thrones at the moment uh, I'm halfway through season three right now um, 
and uh, I only started it last week. So I've been motoring a bit. I've been doing all right. I don't know whether I'm going to get to the end of it before we I get very to the, much doubt it. the new season. But uh, As but is what? You got what? I've got till Monday. Eight days? Yeah, I've got till Monday. So yeah, yeah this That's not happening. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, ma- I'm making it through reasonable amount. I'm not too worried if I don't watch the last season because I kind of remember what happened for that. But it oh. is really interesting going back and watching because there's so much stuff. I mean, it's, it's brilliant through out you forget how good even some of those early episodes were and there are things that pop up in those early episodes which i'd completely forgotten about about when certain characters meet other certain characters first and uh, just gives a lot more texture to things that have popped up much much later in the run and you go back and watch the early things and there's references to stuff and and you suddenly realize that one character has a certain connection to another character which i might not have realized before and yeah so it's it's quite interesting going back and re-watching it from the beginning because you you forget so much of it over what eight years or whatever it's however long it's been running eight nine years it's been a while you forget quite a lot of those early things and it still stands up perfectly well i am it's still as brilliant as it was when you saw it the first time um but it is worth going back and re-watching those those first episodes i would actually say even if you're not going to get through it all it's all on sky and now tv i i would actually say go back and and just watch through that first season again and there are things that will pop out at you now that because you know where it's going now there are things that will pop out that you go oh i didn't realize that yeah so it's it's a really interesting show to go back and rewatch, knowing what is coming up so uh so yeah that that's been really good and i'm thoroughly enjoying that veep is back for its final season and uh i i love that show selena is on the um re-election path again and he's trying to get re-elected to president it's back in exactly the same mold really as it was before if you like veep before you'll like it now it's it's just superb one thing i got, forgot to mention last week uh flack had its finale flack's this uh show about about a PR firm which is on the uh, W channel it stars Anna Paquin and uh, she's this American publicist living in working in London she's essentially a sort of fixer for these various awful clients that she has Mm -hmm. Uh, it's one of the strongest dramas I've seen in a very very long time and it's it's far more in the vein of a kind of the sort of suits kind of dramedy style so it, it has got some serious drama bits in it but there is a lot of comedy in there as well and the writing is is just beautiful particularly for the best friend her, her colleague Eve has some wonderful wonderful lines in it uh, the boss as well Caroline is hilarious and uh, just it's it's kind of snarky and cutting and they're sort of living in this this world of utter evilness and trying to find their way through it. It's it's just so cleverly done. There is an episode which is almost entirely set on a on an aeroplane. They're on a flight back or flight to New York, I think. And, uh, it's got Bradley Whitford in it, who plays mm-hmm. a, a client of hers. And Robin, Anna Paquin's character, is on the plane trying to deal with a crisis which seems to be developing 
developing regarding his character that is almost a two-hander and and it's so brilliantly done uh, if that the, i mean if there's any anything that needs to get nominated for awards this year i would say it's that episode i thought that was absolutely superb it's only six episodes long they're about an hour each i'm sure it must be floating around on some of the channels go and watch it it's it's superb i really can't recommend that highly enough i'm sure it will be back for another season and the other thing that dropped this week is the trailer for joker the wacky phoenix version of joker which is now out there have you seen the trailer for this no i'm not being don't we have any interest in watching it it's interesting actually obviously it's got very little to do with any of the dc stuff that's out there at the moment it's very much a sort of standalone film it's rather than being a sort of superhero based thing it's it's exact produced by Martin Scorsese and you really feel that with the trailer as well. It's got much more in common with something like Taxi Driver or Raging Bull than it does with any of the sort of traditional comic book stuff. It feels like far more of a kind of art house, smaller budget kind of film. It's based around this comedian played by um, Phoenix who is uh, Arthur Fleck and he's a failed stand-up comedian disregarded by society and driven insane to become a psychotic criminal mastermind is the sort of basis of it so it's, it's a really interesting kind of take on it it's got elements of the killing joke the uh, sort of seminal graphic novel by alan moore in there but yeah very much a sort of love letter to those kind of 70s classic scorsese movies as well I was sort of a bit kind of here, yeah, whatever, when they announced this. But having seen the trailer for it, I'm quite intrigued to see the uh, finished product. Just, just to kind of, I mean, it's far more like one of the DC kind of one-shot comic books that they do occasionally, a sort of Elseworlds sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting idea, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm slightly more positive about it than I was originally when they announced it. So, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting looking. I, I will be keeping an eye out for that. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> TV and film news this week. We start off with the renewals, cancellations of pickups. Uh, Netflix have officially renewed the Ricky Gervais series Afterlife for season two, which was absolutely superb. Matt, I co-host the show occasionally. He's a massive fan of this. I thought it was really, really solid. It's one of Gervais's best works in a very long time. Very interesting and different to to a lot of his other stuff. Um, It's got some of the sort of cringy humour that you used to, but it's also got some very, very dark things in it and uh yeah I, I really enjoyed that series um so yeah so that's coming back for a second season i i think it was always inevitable that they were going to bring that back for a second season if it, yeah ricky was already saying he was working on it anyway so uh i you know I, i'm glad to see that back uh they've also re- renewed the umbrella academy for a second season uh, which again was another brilliant drama from netflix but it's based on dark uh, dark horse comic series isn't it <laughs> yeah based on a dark horse comic series Series. It's based around this superhero family who were brought together by this uh, this billionaire's children, and uh, the billionaire has now died, and they're sort of brought back together for his funeral. But they've all gone their separate ways. It's far more of a sort of family drama than it is a superhero drama, but it's wonderfully strange and quirky. It's kind of a superhero drama via Wes Anderson is is the uh, way I've best seen it described. It's weird and odd 
good and quirky. And uh, we got to interview a couple of the uh, cast, Emmy Raver Lampman and Tom Hopper at MCM. And you can go onto the YouTube channel and see that interview if you want to go and see that. They were really, really nice, really lovely to get to talk to them. And uh, that was the first con they've done since the show came out as well. So they were kind of over the moon because people were, were dressing in cosplay for the characters and stuff, which is great. Very happy to have that back. Morphor has picked up the UK rights to the critically acclaimed Canadian drama Mary Kills People, which uh, I've I've not watched. I know a little bit about it only because of the little stuff that I've read, but um, follows Dr. Mary Harris, an overworked single mother in ER doctor who lives a double life helping terminally ill patients with assisted deaths. So far, she's managed to stay under the radar, but her double life is getting complicated. When her world starts to unravel, she realizes she's going to have to fight dirty if she wants to stay in the killing game. It sounds a little bit kind of almost serial killery kind of drama, but kind of doing it for the right reasons, I guess. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Pretty dark, yeah. They've acquired that for more for uh, late spring that's arriving, but they haven't given an exact date for that. BBC Two has picked up the 9-11 drama The Looming Tower, starring Jeff Daniels. I, I've seen a couple of episodes of this because it's previously been out on Amazon, but it's a really good drama and uh, well worth going to watch if you like those sort of historical reenactment kind of dramas. Uh, uh-huh. Well worth going to see. That's coming to BBC Two soon. Better Call Saul, the fifth season of that apparently now won't air until 2020. They've uh, delayed the production on it. It's it's apparently trying to get all the talent back together has been basically the problem. They're doing other things at the moment. So uh, scheduling issues more than anything else. That's the only reason. But uh, 2020, they're saying that's going to be back for. And uh, Law and Order SVU was renewed last week for an historic 21st season, which uh, makes it the longest running procedural, well, longest running TV drama in American history, apparently, which is pretty good going. I believe one of the actresses is now the longest running character on a TV show as well. Uh, Yeah, probably. So, yeah, I just just, uh, hats off to them. I mean, I've never really watched SVU, never really watched any of the Law and Order. I watch all the time. Yeah, it's great stuff. So uh, good that's going to be back. Moving on to bigger news stories, Netflix have announced the cast for Top Boy Season 3, which is coming in the autumn 2019. This is a third season of Top Boy, which uh, is the drama which was on Channel 4 originally. Sees Ashley Walters returning and Kane Robinson returning to the realms of Deshane and Sully, along with uh, Sean Romulus and Ashley Thomas is back as well. They're joined by newcomer Michael Ward, who's been in shows like The A-List and Blue Story. So uh, the new episodes pick up as Deshane returns from exile to his home in London to reclaim his throne in the highly lucrative drug market. He teams up with Sully, his spiritual brother, partner, and sometimes rival, who is also returning to the same streets after his own form of exile, aka prison. Uh, it comes to an end. Awaiting for them both is Jamie, who is a young, hungry, and ruthless gang leader whose ambitious leave no place for Deshane and Sully. He was a hugely hugely popular drama that uh, was out on channel four it was uh, 2013 when it actually ended the original two seasons are now available on netflix this is going to be a 10 episode all new season that they're bringing in it's an interesting one for netflix to pick up given there is such a huge gap between when it ended and uh, the new season 
So it's kind of intriguing that uh, that they're picking it up this late. I, I think it's got the uh, the same writers behind it as well. So it's the same team that are bringing it back, which is good. Yeah, if you're a fan of Top Boy, that's definitely going to be one to look out for. It's back on Netflix in the autumn. Showtime have picked up a spy drama from uh, Mark Bowl, who is the creator of Zero, or the writer behind Zero Dark Thirty and a number of other films. It's called Intelligence. It's based on real stories from around the world. The series will explore the inner workings of power, how espionage intersects with politics, finance, media, and Silicon Valley. First season will dramatize the behind-the-scenes story leading up to the 2016 US election, with subsequent seasons looking at a major world event throughout the lens of covert operations. So it's kind of an interesting idea. Uh, Mark Boll is the Academy Award-winning filmmaker behind movies such as The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, won two Academy Awards and BAFTAs for The Hurt Locker, was nominated for Oscars in both categories for Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, he's picked up a whole load of other awards as well. I don't think there's any casting for this yet. Have you seen these films? Is this something that might interest you? I'm not sure. And given how long it's going to take to come out, it's too early to say, really. And it yeah. needs to look much more. It's a bit too generic at the moment. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things with this is it's going to show up in 2020, which is when the next US election will be. So yes, that is true. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's going to be kind of interesting to see if it goes out before or after or. But uh, yeah, so they've started development. Uh, probably won't show up until 2020. No casting yet. It's not officially confirmed, but uh, it's a Showtime show, and Showtime have a carriage deal with Sky Atlantic, so it means it should land on Sky Atlantic in the UK. So that we want to watch out for. The last piece of news isn't really a piece of news. It's more the fact that uh, Game of Thrones, as I'm sure a lot of you are aware, returns next week on Monday at 2am and 9pm on the 15th of April. So I thought what we should probably do, just to give you a a little bit of a reminder, is go through the list of the people who are dead and alive and who we think will be dead or alive by the end of the season. So we've got a list of people in front of me. So we'll start off with the obvious ones. Jon Snow, dead or alive by the end of the season? Surely both. (laughs) Well, yes, I guess technically he is both at the moment. I think he'll be dead by the end of the season. There's some interesting thoughts around Jon Snow because there are some ideas that uh, given that he was revived by magic, one of the ways that they may have to get rid of the Night King is remove magic from the world. And if they remove magic entirely from the world, that probably means that Jon Snow is going to drop dead so that would be kind of an interesting way of him going down but uh, but we'll have to see Daenerys Targaryen will Danny make it to the end of the show yes yeah I think out of those two one of them has to make it they're not both going to die so if we think that Johnny probably is going to die then Daenerys has got to, has got to hang around whether she'll get the throne or not is a different question because yeah, she seems the, yeah she seems the obvious one to get the throne but I, I think that's almost too obvious and I sort of think that somebody else they may give it to somebody else because it seems a little bit too obvious that Daenerys will be the one that ends up with it but uh, I think she will survive so the Starks uh, Sansa I think she'll live I would probably agree with you there I think Sansa will will still be around I suspect Sansa will get married off to somebody 
to secure some sort of alliance, but it will be somebody that she agrees with and picks. I do wonder whether she'll end up marrying Gendry if Gendry manages to survive, because that will be the sort of Baratheon and Stark relationship cemented. So I do wonder that. Arya. Uh, Bobby dead. I'd like to see Arya survive, but it wouldn't surprise me if she gets killed before the end of it. Bran, I think, is one of those interesting ones that's going to be alive, but maybe ends up in some weird sort of holding magic together north of the wall or, or you know, some sort of half state, maybe. Yeah, he'll definitely he'll definitely go back to doing his mystical stuff. I don't think he will stay with his family. I suspect that's where they're heading with that. Tyrion. I suspect he'll survive. Uh, Tyrion has to survive out of all the characters, out of all the Lannisters. I so, say, I mean, you know, you've got Cersei and Jaime as well are the other Lannisters that are still around. Cersei, I think, very much dead. Has to be, surely. Mm, yes, I think so. Possibly killed by Jaime, maybe. Whether Jaime will survive, I suspect Jaime's not going to survive into the end either. I don't know, it's difficult to say. But Tyrion, I think, has to. I think that's the one Lannister that needs to survive until the end. Mm-hmm. You've got the uh, Cleganes, the Hound and the Mountain. We're waiting for Clegane Bowl to show up in this uh, final run, which I think will probably happen. So it'll be the battle between the two. Surely the Hound has to win that. Yeah, I'll probably see him surviving. Yeah. I mean, the Mountain technically is also dead at this point, yeah. um, even though he's wandering around. That's why I was around. wondering why I was in the list, because I went, yeah, he's dead. Yeah, he's de- he's dead, but alive, So, yeah. but wandering around. So I, I suspect we're going to see that coming. But I, I the Hound, obviously, I, I think will probably be the one to beat him. Jorah, I think, will probably die protecting Danny, mm-hmm. I suspect. Bron, I think, probably alive, probably yep. manages to get his survive. way through it. Yeah, manages to work his way through it. Varys, difficult to say with Varys, could go either way. Um, I think he'll survive. Oh yeah, I think probably alive. Gendry, I think, will probably survive. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got the Greyjoys, Theon, Euron and Yara. I, I think Euron's definitely dead. I think Yara's definitely dead. Theon, I'm not sure. I suspect probably maybe that, dead I don't know uh, Brianne alive I think there might be riots if she dies yeah Samwell and by extension Gilly I guess I, you can't kill Sam I, I think Sam has got to survive yeah and uh, just because I yeah, sort of had to put it on the list the Night King um, there are some theories around that the Night King may kind of destroy everything but and kill everybody but I think that would be a really I sucky way to end, to end the I don't show think, I don't think I don't think they'll kill him though I think they'll probably just find a way to imprison him or something Thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So uh, I that, that's basically destroying him. Yeah. That's, that's sort of interesting they've also announced the episode lengths and there's I think three 80 minute episodes and a couple of 60 minute episodes in the uh, final run mm-hmm. um, I rather suspect that you're going to get a big battle in episode three because that's the first 80 minute episode and I suspect a big battle in the penultimate yeah probably probably episode five as well because the last two episodes are both 80 minute ish episodes so I would suspect that you know three and five are probably going to do the big battles and then the the sort of the last episode maybe some battles but tidying everything up at the end so uh, yes there's supposed to be a 45 minute battle in this final run so Oof. 
that's going to be one thing to watch out for. Uh, some great directors as well. They've got both the directors that won Emmys and stuff are, are the directors doing the final seasons and uh, the uh, the two creators are doing the final episode. I'm, I'm sure part of that is to, to make sure that there were no leaks as well. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm amazed they've pretty much managed to keep a lid on everything. But uh, yeah, 15th of April at 2am if you want to stay up and watch it live or 9pm as it's repeated or you'll be able to get it on catch up from about 3am on uh, Monday the 15th for Game of Thrones. So uh, definitely something to watch out for. So that's all the news for this week. Let's move on to the interview. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This week's interview is with Barnstorm VFX. Barnstorm VFX is a beauty special effects house specializing in um, high quality digital effects design and production. They are the visual effects company behind shows such as Silicon Valley, Room 104, Get Shorty, Outlander, Fargo, Lost and The Gifted. The main show they're working on at the moment is uh, Man in the High Castle, or they've been working on recently, which is a brilliant uh, dystopian American Nazi drama we got a chance to sit down with Lawson Deming, who is the co-founder of Barnstorm and uh, is also the supervising VFX editor for High Castle. So he discusses the amazing amount of historical research they do for the show. There are some season three spoilers in this, some minor ones, but you know, if you want to know nothing, then you might want to skip over the interview. There's also some chat about the amazing Silicon Valley, which I, I absolutely love. Uh, they talk about creating some of the VFX shot in that, including creating Pipey, the annoying kind of pipe pipe version of Clippy that does the on-screen help and uh, he was actually the person that originally kind of designed that character for them so yeah there's there's few other shows we talk about as well talk a little bit about gifted and stuff so um here's the interview with uh, Barnstorm VFX co-founder Lawson Deming we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV Thank you for spending a bit of time to come on and chat. Absolutely. We've done a few visual effects people recently, actually, but just for people that haven't heard the other interviews we've done, do you want to just explain what you do? Yeah, so I am the senior visual effects supervisor on The Man in the High Castle, uh, the Amazon show. And that means uh, for me, I am involved in the production throughout the entire filming and pre-production and post-production, consulting on on how the show should photograph things for visual effects and contacting with my own company and, and a handful of other companies that actually do the digital uh, effects work, giving them photography that I've taken, assets, references from the show, and explaining to them sort of the creative vision of the producers and directors of the show in a way that allows them to execute those visual effects. Cool. Okay. I mean, um, High Castle is phenomenal series but i mean the visual effects work on that i mean it's one of those shows where the visual effects aren't necessarily obvious but if you think about it they kind of have to be there <laughs> 
Right. Exactly. I think that's one of the, the really exciting things about working on it is the fact that, you know, we can do, there's so many, it's a science fiction show, but it's science fiction in a very grounded, realistic way. Yeah. I was watching some of the uh, videos of your show reel, which shows some of the amazing work that you do on that series. Uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot of scene replacements and, and that sort of stuff, but it's the amount of little things that pop up mm -hmm. in, in that show. I mean, there's, there were things like even signage that you've, you've right. done, you know, and that sort of stuff. And you kind of think, wouldn't it be cheaper for somebody to like make up a sign and stick it on a wall? But uh, sometimes. <laughs> uh, High Castle in particular has to be a fascinating show to work on because you're not only dealing with taking real life places and removing anything modern because it's set in the 60s. You've then got that extra layer of adding, you know, Japanese elements and Nazis. So right. <laughs> what's the most interesting stuff for for you to work on you know i really like the fact that uh, again it's a it's a historical show it's a, it's a science fiction show but it's also a historical show and so so much of the work that we do is in researching real things real history and sort of putting a what if spin on it mm. you know for example uh in the in season three we've introduced several nazi airplanes that are VTOL style airplanes, vertical takeoff and landing. And that includes both a sort of troop transport plane and a fighter that has VTOL capabilities, though they're not utilized in the show, but they're both they're both based on real planes. They're based on real planes from the 1960s that were designed in Germany as prototypes that never went into production. And so what we said was, okay, let's take these planes and let's create, you know, prototypes often look a little different than the final design. Let's do some variations on it. Let's change it, make it look different, but retain the spirit of that. And so the planes that you see in the show are not just designs that we made up out of nothing. They're based on real life research, even though they never really existed in the way that we portray them. Hmm. For me, that's really exciting because the, the hurdle that you have to jump over with visual effects is already high. There's already uh, the suspension of disbelief necessary that you have to take whatever advantages that you can get in terms of grounding that stuff in realism, because a lot of it is kind of fantastical. So we don't want to go too far and make stuff that looks too science fiction-y, too, you know, you know, like moon bases and, you know, crazy stuff like that. It helps to go back and look at these real technology from the era and specific things and become sort of a historian for a time period that never existed yeah i mean there's a couple of plane shots in the showreel as well uh which mm -hmm. uh, they're kind of they they're kind of concord looking planes and right. you you see them pull up and you think uh, and and looking at that you think well obviously that has to be a cgi shot because we don't have concord right. anymore you know and we don't they there have to be some sort of cgi plane but then there's a bit straight after that where you actually show him getting on the plane and off the plane all that cgi as well and you kind of think yeah Wow. That's, I mean, those sort of things that you don't even notice. I, I, I love. Yeah. That, sometimes the best compliment you can get as a visual effects artist is when no one says anything because they <laughs> didn't even think it was a visual effects shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that sort of stuff I think is really interesting. And uh, yeah, the, the amount of background research you do for stuff must be amazing. I mean, in terms of what about the, the buildings and things? Cause you're, you're dressing a lot of the, 
the buildings, some of which are, or quite a lot of which are going to be real life locations. How, how are right. you handling that? Well, there's a, so, the, you know, the show is shot in Vancouver, BC, and Vancouver has to stand in for both San Francisco and New York. And they're both very different looking cities, different feeling cities. And so the art department does a lot of work on everything that we can see in the foreground up close to camera, everything that the actors are interacting with. At a certain point, it becomes prohibitively expensive for them to dress buildings you know, deep into the background. And so that's where the visual effects takes over. In some cases, we do create fully CGI buildings. We photographed a number of buildings in New York City, and we created CGI versions of them for some of the stuff in season three uh, on uh, the big parade that John Smith has when he's sort of installed as the, the dictator of New York, the Reichsmarschall. And so there's CG buildings there and there's photography of buildings, plate photography. Again, one of the one of the responsibilities that I have as a visual effects supervisor is if we need photography of something, I flew, I fly to New York, I fly to San Francisco and I take careful measurements and I take my photos to match a shot that we shot, you know, weeks ago or months ago in Vancouver and say, okay, I'll have the same lens, the same angle find a background that works, same time of day, so the light's coming from the right direction, photograph that. And then sometimes it's just augmentation where a building needs a billboard on it or a modern building needs its windows replaced because, you know, in 1985, this building from 1940 had all its windows replaced. And Mm. now there's this sort of modernization that happened for obvious reasons, but we have to revert it back to what it was or a building that looks too clean and, and, you know, that building is a hundred yards in the distance and they can't send somebody over there to, you know, to dirty it up in the foreground. They have a guy with a little spray can of dirt, you know, spraying garbage cans and stuff to make them look dirty. But for stuff like that, that's the kind of stuff that goes over to visual effects. Yeah. And plus, I mean, if you are shooting in some real world locations, somebody owning a building might take slight offense at having a large Nazi flag. (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's another thing too, is, is, you know, the show's very sensitive to the imagery uh, that they're portraying, you know, at a certain point working on it for several seasons, we get used to it to a certain extent or, or immune to the, to the immediate visceral reaction that people tend to have to it. But, you know, we put up signs that say, Hey, you're entering a, you're entering a filming area that, you know, note that this is just a a fantasy science fiction show. This is not a rally or anything (laughs) like that. Um, I mean, you got to tell people now because it's, it's happening. And, uh, and yeah, so, so in some cases, we put we digitally put the signs up. Uh, we've done things before where they built the where they built swastika banners that have everything but the actual swastika, right. just big red red banners. And then we have put the the symbols on in post as well. That makes sense. Yes, you don't want to be offending the locals with. <laughs> no, not because it's it's you know we we do they, we get a lot from them in terms of being filming in a city. Mm. You know, film trucks everywhere. I mean, Vancouver is a very uh, a very filmed city. Yeah, but you know, you have to stay on people's good side because you are inconveniencing them to begin with by having a film shooting downtown. Sure. Yeah. So season three was the most recent season. You got season four um, coming up, which will be the final season of it as well. Yes. Is there any particular shot 
I well, you probably can't say for the new season, but you know, on the previous season that you were really proud of. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, there's a there's a lot of stuff that we're proud of in season three. We did a largely uh, digital Fifth Avenue in New York City, and that's appears in several episodes. Um, there's a great shot in episode 301 of John Smith arriving at his new state-sponsored apartment uh, for the first time. He's, he comes down the street and gets out of his car. And basically everything but the stuff in the very foreground is, is digital New York City. Um, there is a large Japanese fleet in episode two of season three that includes uh, battleships, aircraft carriers, cruisers, transport ships. And that's a fully digital build of that. We did a lot of research on the battleship Yamato, which was a real uh, World War II Japanese battleship that was sunk in World War II. But of course, in our world, it was not sunk. Yeah. And we, we went um, and did research uh, on a real battleship in Long Beach, a U.S. Uh, battleship and saw all the changes that had been made to it post-World War II. Um, so they did things like they added helipads on the back of these battleships uh, in replacement for what had been pontoon plane launching uh, catapults. And a lot of the battleships, the U.S. battleships that served in World War II lasted, uh, you know, through the 80s were still in service. Right. They were less they were less relevant. Um, they were more sort of a symbols of power. So they still led convoys and and were, were visible symbols of power. But they were it was sort of uh, that's sort of all they were. Were. And so we, we, we created a version of the Japanese battleship Yamato that was sort of like that. They had added radar towers. They added new anti-aircraft and it sort of was the flagship. And so we, we have a big sequence with that. We have uh, Inspector Kido landing in a helicopter on the back of the battleship. And there's a shot where he climbs out of a helicopter, which doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and somebody even opens the door. We had a, there was a, a man in the, in the, uh, carrier flight deck who mimes opening the door, lighting the door open. And we had, we animated the door coming open. So that's all, none of that's there. And uh, so that was a, a scene that I'm really proud of. And then the the sort of the, the big sequence at the end of the, of the last episode, 310, is uh, the Nazis bomb the Statue of Liberty and demolish it. And that was, again, a, a, as, as I'm sure you can imagine, a lot of visual effects, mm. digital explosions, set extensions, destruction, water. We did a lot of stuff for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, awesome show to be working on. What, what are the other shows that you've, you've uh, done work on? Silicon Valley as well. Yes. Which is, I, I adore that show. It's such fun. There's a few bits and pieces of that in the show reel as well of, of things like the, the server room which played quite a prominent part. Again, it's one of those things where you, if you think about it, you kind of think, yeah, well, I guess it must be CGI, but I'd assume that was CGI, an extension of, of some, of like, you know, they'd gone to a server room and then you'd extended it because it's a ridiculously big, like warehouse right. but it's not the entire thing is cgi there's like two, there's like four real servers i think or something like that that we had for that and silicon valley is a show that i really love it's a blast to work on i they always come up with some really fascinating jokes that is a as a person in technology and a, and a, and a nerd like i am i can really appreciate also building a technology business and dealing with the same sort of hurdles you know we have issues with our servers and yeah. and hiring the right people to do things and competing against much bigger companies in our in our space there's something that i really relate to yeah. in the 
story of Silicon Valley. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, but again, again with with that show, I mean, there are obvious CG things like uh, there's a the monkey robot arm thing, which uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously an effect, which is hilarious, <laughs> but obviously effect. But there was a little thing which they showed, which was the Pied Piper website was mm-hmm. also a visual effect. Did you kind of think wouldn't it be easier just to build one? But you know, the, one of the great things about Silicon Valley is they don't take any of the jokes for granted, right? Um, you know, even even the sort of, you know, potty humor and dick joke type things like they work really hard on them Mm. and try multiple versions of every joke to find which one plays the funniest. And so the Silicon Valley, uh, the the website, the Pied Piper website and that the character Pipey, which we designed and and animated for this, uh, this sort of Clippy-esque character, you know, that was something that evolved. And I did, I did the initial drawing of that. um, (laughs) And then we had some artists come in and work on it and say, oh, is it, you know, is it funnier with a hat? Is it funnier without the hat? Is it funnier, you know, this idea that he's blowing himself, you know, he's playing himself. (laughs) So, you know, we worked on a bunch of different stuff to make sure that that worked. And then and then the the rest of the joke in that scene, the the additional joke, aside from, oh, this is a thing that's like Clippy, is how incredibly complex, you know, their site is or their Mm. their app is. And so we worked on we worked with the the technologists who does consulting on the show to make sure that the compression settings is all the stuff felt like a real, real software. Um, you know, most of the code they have in the show is real or, mm. or resembles real code. So they really go all out. But that's the reason, you know, oftentimes it's like, oh, it's simple. You just shoot something on a screen on set. But 90% of the time, you know, you find out later, oh, you know, we needed a tighter shot of it, or this person doesn't say their line or point at the right part of the screen at the right time or whatever. And so it, it's it's oftentimes easier and faster to just create all that stuff after the fact. Yeah, I've uh, spoken to some writers that actively got to the point when they were in their like third season of avoiding using mobile phones in shots. So they didn't have That's to <laughs> CGI screens onto things or remove it's complicated. Yeah. yeah, it gets it gets complicated because there's so many, yeah, it seems so simple in your in your everyday life, but yeah, even things like a phone call or texting or something like that, you know, it's like close up on a screen with someone putting their their fingers in places and typing and if they make a mistake and you got to retake it, it's just we do a lot of a lot of stuff like that to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most fun thing about the job that you do? I think the most fun thing about working in visual effects is that by its very nature, our job is to figure out all the things that no one else can figure out. Yeah. Or has or has has not have not come up with a way of solving it. And that's, that's can be a blessing and a curse. It's very exciting to have people come to you and say, Hey, you're the only one who can help us with this. We, we couldn't film it the right way. We couldn't figure out a way to do it in editing. How do we accomplish this? The flip side of that can be because you are the last person. <laughs> all of the things that they said, Oh yeah, that's fine. That oh, looks good. That looks pretty good. When they shot it, and now they've decided that it doesn't look good anymore, but you can't kick the can down the road. You can't say, ah, someone else will fix that. Someone else will make it better. You're sort of the last line of defense. It cuts both ways. Uh, but I, I think that's really exciting is, is 
having this very special focus where certain things can only be done with visual effects. Yeah. And so many of the things from Man in the High Castle to Silicon Valley every day, it's a new problem and it's a completely different problem than we may have solved before. Even if they look superficially similar, I think there's this belief that we just, as a visual effects artist, you just see a sequence and you know exactly what to do. You're like, oh, you know, people say it all the time. Oh, you just press a button. And it's like, you know, you don't. <laughs> every, every day we're, we're learning new software. We're writing new plugins. You know, many times when I see something and I say, yeah, we can do that. My only basis for saying that is that we've had problems in the past that we didn't know how to solve and we figured out how to solve them while we were working on them. Mm. So I don't necessarily know when I say I'm confident that we can get that done. I'm confident because I know that with hard work and putting our heads together and, you know, signs banging our heads against a wall for weeks or months, we will find a solution. It doesn't mean that I know right when I see it, <laughs> what that solution is going to be. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, last couple of questions for you. Yeah. First one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? <laughs> this is going to be disappointing, probably. I work so much in television, I have very little time to actually watch it. That, that's and not uncovered. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is, do people say that? Yeah. So newer shows that I'm watching right now include uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I love that. Uh, yeah. Which I really enjoy. But I am really on a kick of watching older shows. My wife and I right now are watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, brilliant. So, you know, from the from the 90s. I love uh, that series. And uh, she had just, we just watched for the first time, or, or she just saw for the first time, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Wow. I had obviously seen that show show watched it many times when I but I, I wanted her to watch it uh and at first she was like isn't this some weird sci-fi <laughs> show but she she fell in love with it um and so we're on to deep space nine at this point that's that's actually the main show we're watching right now so what you're saying is you're indoctrinating your wife into being a trekkie <laughs> yeah it, it's true well she's introducing stuff to me and i'm introducing stuff to her and you know that's eventually good. we'll catch we'll catch up 20 years from now we'll finally be watching game of thrones or something like that <laughs> awesome and uh, the last question if you had the opportunity to work on any tv show past present or future not one you've worked on, which show would it be? Oh my goodness. I mean, I feel like I kind of have to say Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> uh, you know, that show was groundbreaking in a number of different ways. From the visual effects, it was one of the first shows that finished, you know, they shot on film, but they finished their visual effects on video. Mm. Uh, it was a sort of transitionary show for visual effects. They had a bunch of model work in it, but they were just starting to use CG and digital matte paintings in uh, certain sequences. What's funny, actually, is the visual effects supervisor on The Gifted is Dan Curry, who was the visual effects supervisor on, on Star Trek. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, and so I've had the opportunity to meet with him and sort of pick his brain about the way that, that they did the visual effects on that show and it was very seat of the pants sometimes i mean they made he made props out of just little plastic odds and ends and 
and animated them as rod puppets. <laughs> and then he so painted digital matte paintings in like Photoshop back when it was just starting to be used. So like, and you know, in a way visual effects has matured. It's gotten to this point where we went from analog to digital. And now the CG stuff is starting to get to the point where it, all of it really looks good. Like it, it's just getting past those growing pains. But for me, Star Trek Next Generation represented a show that was sort of like right on the cusp of doing visual effects. Yeah. Uh, and it's very exciting. It's, it's, and it inspired me to get into this business. <laughs> yes, it's a very good choice. Uh, well, thank you for spending a bit of time to, to talk through your work. Um, I am very much looking forward to Man in the High Castle returning for its uh, full season and, uh, and Silicon Valley when that comes back as well so uh, great shows and uh, hopefully we get to talk again again at some point in the future when your next great. project comes up given that Man in the High Castle is coming to an end so I would love to talk with you again thanks have a great day and uh, hopefully talk soon wonderful take care bye. bye that was the interview with Barnstorm VFX co-founder Lordson Deming High Castle of course you can see on Amazon Prime first three seasons on there Silicon Valley you can I think these on um, Now TV and Sky Catcher if you want to go and find episodes on there. If not, we're waiting until 2020 for the next season because uh, it's been delayed due to production things. So uh, they're skipping a bit this year and uh, it will be back in 2020. Now on to some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week on TV. We have the return of Legends of Tomorrow that comes to Sky One on 10th of April at 8pm. I'm so happy to have that back. I love that show. It's my favourite of the uh, CWDC shows. It's just, Really? Yeah. Ooh. It's it's just wonderfully silly, and uh, I really really enjoy that show. It's certainly silly. Yes, it's joyously silly though. I I, I think that's what I like about it. It t- doesn't take itself particularly seriously. I mean, I like Flash and I like Arrow uh, and uh, Supergirl's fine, but uh, Legends is the one that I really really enjoy. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to that coming back. 10th of April at 8 p.m. for that. So that's Wednesday. Uh, the Bold Type season three of that arrives on Amazon Prime on 10th of April as well. That's the comedy drama about three friends that work for Scarlet, a global women's magazine. The Miss Fisher Modern Murder Mysteries. Season one of that starts on Alibi on the 10th of April at 9pm. That's a spin-off from the Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries, which is a spin-off from the Murdoch Murder Mysteries, I think. So oh, okay. I have watched Murdoch before. The original Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries was a spin-off from the Murdoch ones, I think. And then the Modern Murder Mysteries is set in the 1960s. So that's sort of an updated kind of another spin-off of that so there's a whole slew of these but uh, yeah that's coming to Alibi on the 10th of April at 9pm You vs Wild which we talked about last week this is the interactive survival show which essentially allows you to try and kill Bear Grylls this comes to Netflix on the 10th of April uh, whether you're a fan of Bear Grylls or whether you're not a fan of Bear Grylls it gives you all sorts of options to be able to abuse or try and get him out of whatever situation he's got himself into uh, 10th of April for that on Netflix if you want to go and play that that uses the Bandersnatch kind of interactive technology of being able to pick which direction he goes and stuff Black Summer comes up to Netflix on the 11th of April this is the spin-off kind of prequel ish to Zed Nation set in the same universe follows a mother torn from a daughter embarks upon a harrowing journey stopping at nothing to find her thrust alongside a small group of American refugees she must brave new hostile world and make brutal decisions during the most deadly summer 
summer of zombie apocalypse. So uh, stars Jamie King, that one. And uh, yeah, it's sort of a prequel to Zed Nation. The Orville is back for the second half of the second season. That's on the 11th of April at 9pm. Love that show. Love, 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 love that show. I'm really happy to have that back again at a couple of week break. Uh, Speechless season two of that starts at 7.30 on the 11th of April on E4. Really, really, really funny, wonderful comedy starring Mini Driver. And uh, it's a comedy about a mother with three kids and the eldest boy has cerebral palsy. And uh, it's just very, very, very funny if you've not watched that. Heathers, which as you've noted on this, Daryl, as was a show which we've been floating around in purgatory for years, but finally has a release date. It's coming to Stars Play, which is the Amazon add-on channel. That's on the 12th of April. Yeah, it's a long and torturous history for this show. The only reason I know is because I follow one of the stars because right. she was on Under the Dome. Yes, yes. And I, mem- I remember that it got put off and put off and put off on America because I think there's a school shooting in it. Yes. It. And so that pretty much put it back like a year. Yeah. Which is interesting because usually, especially with like the sheer amount of procedurals and stuff, you generally go, oh, there's a school shooting. Oh, so it's going to be it's going to be put back for a month. But no, they went, nope, let's boot the whole show for like a year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those interesting ones of like, if you're going to boot the show off every time America has a school shooting, it's never, ever going to air. Well, and it's also the fact that Heather's is, for its time, it's fine. Yeah. But it's not something that, that really flies now. No. It's just too controversial with the ideas in it. So I was surprised when they decided that they wanted to even make a show based on it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a classic sort of 80s movie, but it is essentially about a girl who's getting bullied by this gang of three girls that are called Heathers. They've slightly altered that in the uh, new one, but uh, it's essentially about a girl who's getting bullied. She teams up with the new guy in town and he essentially works out ways of trying to kill them. And that's not really something that's going to fly in a, a high school drama yeah. about killing your classmates. Yeah, so, it, yeah exactly. It's a, exactly the whole high school drama and the whole tone of it. Yeah. If, it, if, the, if it wasn't tone, but the shift out with, with the tone of it and the fact it's about, it's about murder, it just, it just doesn't fly. Yeah. So it was sort of ill-judged right from the very start. Yeah, so, exactly. It was a, what were you thinking of network? Because I know what networks tend to be like when it comes to taking yeah. chances. What were they thinking? It's a one season show and I, there is very, very little chance that it's ever going to get renewed. It was uh, Paramount, I think, was, was the yeah. original broadcaster for it and then went out somewhere else in the US. So Stars Play have picked it up to run it over here. So if you do want to see it, it's uh, on Stars Play, uh, 12th of April for, for that. Um, yeah, based off the original 80s movie, although I, most of the reports said it's very, very ill-judged. The Murders, which is coming to Universal TV on the 12th of April at 9pm. This is about a rookie homicide detective. Negligence in the fellow officer's death has her searching for redemption in her investigation. Stars Jessica Lucas, who is in Gotham. That's a Canadian show. Yeah, that's another Canadian show. Uh, Universal pick up quite a few of those Canadian shows. That's coming there. So it, uh, it looks kind of quite good if you yeah. uh, if you like those procedural... I, I think I'll give it a try. Yeah. Like I've been the... watching... I've been trying um, Corona. That's an interesting show. Yeah, I tried a good 
things about Korra. I, I think I watched the first episode of it, but I haven't kind of just managed to fit going back to There's only so many procedurals I can watch at once, and uh, I haven't managed to get back to it. But uh, yeah, it was quite enjoyable. So The Murders, that's called. Uh, Universal TV, 12th of April, 9pm for that. Uh, then, as we mentioned earlier, Game of Thrones, season eight of the final season, uh, 15th of April at 2am, should be on demand from 3am, or you can, if you're watching it live, 9pm, it's also being broadcast as well. Six episodes of lovely Game of Thrones glory for that. Uh, there was also the uh, Game of Thrones reviewing Westeros podcast, which you can catch over Entertainment Talk. We did a preview thing for it last week, which uh, went out. So we've done our preview show for it. You can go and get that now. Just look up reviewing Westeros or go to entertainmenttalk.org to go and find that. We have Empire back for the second half of its fifth season. That's on the 15th of April at uh, 12.20. So uh, yeah, that's got booted worryingly late on Five Star. I do wonder whether it's going to get picked up by Five Star for the sixth season because they seem to have moved it around quite a lot and then it's got booted to 11.20, which isn't good. So we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, uh, second half of the fifth season back on uh, 15th of April. No Good Nick coming to Netflix on the 15th of April. This is a comedy drama starring Melissa Joan Hart and Sean Astin about a family that welcomes in a 13-year-old girl into their home before realising she's a street-smart con artist with a secret agenda. Sounds very sitcom-y, this. Mm. It's a Netflix original, so they tend to do a bit of a twist to that, but uh, could be worth a watch, particularly if you're a fan of Melissa Joan Hart and Sean Astin. Vikings Season 5 coming to the History Channel. That's for its TV run. It's obviously already on Amazon Prime if you want to go and watch it on there if you've got Amazon Prime, but uh, that's Season 5, 16th of April for that. Charmed, Season 1 of that, back on the 16th of April at 9pm for the second half of Season 1. It took a little bit of a break. I I started watching this and then sort of drifted away from it. Um, It's fine. It doesn't quite have the uh, charm. I refuse. I refuse. There's only one Charmed. Yes, yeah. Doesn't really have the charm of the first Charmed, really. And then, trust me, season two, that is coming on to BBC One on the 16th of April at 9pm. First season started Jodie Whittaker, who um, strangely had other things to do for the second season, weirdly also playing a doctor. Second season stars Alfred Enoch, who you will know from How to Get Away with Murder, played uh, Wes on Alfred Get Away with Murder. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is what this show is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, he's, he's taking the lead in the second season although I think he's actually the patient in the second season yeah. not the doctor but I've seen the um, I've there's seen, a trailer for it yeah yeah there's a trailer it's him in, in a bed yeah so uh, he's, he's the sort of patient I think he's a soldier suffering from PTSD so it sounds like it's going to be one of those shows where some of the major cast change each season because I can't imagine he's around for more than one so second season of Trust Me that's 16th of April at 9pm for that and that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you want to mention the only thing I'll say is if you want to see all that stuff that I talked about from Walker Stock Card London. You can go and check out Hollywood News Source YouTube. You can also check out our coverage of WonderCon, which went on at the same time. Ah, cool. And that had the 100 there and the range of the shows. It had Marvel Rising, the slew of animated Marvel shows, including Ironheart. Ah, cool. If you want to head over there, we've got lots and lots of new videos for people to see. Hollywood News Source, you can get to it from HollywoodNewsSource.com. There's a link directly to our YouTube from there or to to YouTube and search for Hollywood News Source. Brilliant. Go and look those up. And uh, for us, if you want to find out all the latest air date information throughout the week, go to geektown.co.uk. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at 
Town on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week for our 200th episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.